0: Well, good morning. My name is Adam Kasel. I'm the vision and administration pastor. And I'm going to address this shirt that I'm wearing right now. So so my uh, mother-in-law and her family, growing up, they would start each day quoting Psalm 118, 24, which is, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And I think we all have days where it's easier to see God has made this day, right? Easier to celebrate and rejoice. And for the last eight days, that's been very evident for me as a huge University of Michigan fan, as they beat the Ohio State Buckeyes eight days ago and then won the Big Ten uh, championship last night here in Indianapolis. area, hi, Aunt Michelle, love you. Were made popular by John Wimber, the catalytic leader of the vineyard. So it feels like actually a clerical collar that I'm wearing this morning. So uh, I, I just had to have some fun, wear this. Uh, and then I came in this morning, and uh, Heather Jesse and Samuel, her son Samuel, had, had decorated my office, put some uh, blue and yellow balloons uh, in there. So <laughs> they should be. Let's be honest. They should be. Uh, a couple of things before we jump in. Uh, I just want to thank Doisha Mathis for doing the Christmas decorating. She did an amazing job. Sorry we didn't say anything earlier. Right. This is anything earlier because it seemed like just feels like this, it could be God's provision. Assess uh, if uh, throughout the whole process. Jump in now to the your favorite team finally beating their rival and winning a championship. It's something that maybe you prayed for day after day after day for months or even years. As we're approaching Christmas. Maybe it was a gift you wanted so badly, you made sure everybody knew about it, like a Red Rider BB gun. For me, in the late 1900s, I wanted the original Nintendo Entertainment System. I asked for it for months. I knew if I got that, my life would be complete. Well, I did get it, and it was complete for a few weeks. And then a few years later, it was the, the Super Nintendo. Now, it feels really good to get something that we've asked for for a long time. When we make a request and have it met, we, f- we feel seen, we feel loved and valued. A real request is vulnerable, and it challenges our trust. Here's what I mean by a real request. It's when we ask something of God or another person, and we are for real and for true. That's one of my favorite Randiisms. We are for real and for true okay with their answer. This morning, we are at the end, toward the end of Jesus' most famous sermon, the greatest sermon he ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. As we've said, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' vision for life in the kingdom of God here and now. It's really important that we remember Jesus is not giving us new laws, but he's giving us a picture of what's available to us here and now if we're willing to have our hearts transformed and to put our values in line with God's values. Ian Ray, our youth and small group pastor, he's really good at asking questions. One of his is, uh, that I've heard him ask a few times, is if you gave a TED Talk, what would your topic be? Well, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' TED Talk. It's concise, it's, it's really uh, straightforward, and it covers the things that are most important to Jesus. It's very intentional and a well-crafted message covering a wide range of topics. Last week, Ian looked at Matthew 7, 1 through 6, where Jesus talks about not judging others and gives this enigmatic exhortation of of not giving dogs what is holy and casting pearls before swine. It was a really good message. In fact, my biggest takeaway was don't judge me, right? Because it might end badly, get embarrassed. No, it was, a really, uh, it was a really, really good message. I took lots of notes for my wife and for my kids. I've been reminding them throughout the week. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I was really challenged and convicted about the amount of judgment that is in my own heart. What Jesus said in those verses actually ties to what we're going to look at this morning, because again, the Sermon on the Mount's a masterful message. So if you have a Bible with you, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be looking at uh, verses 7 through 12. So I'll give you a second to turn there. Matthew 7, 7. Jesus says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you, sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Father, we come to you as a good father, one who loves to have us ask, seek, and knock. So I ask this morning that you would do within our hearts what, what we need this morning. You know each of us. You know what we need. You know what we need before we even ask. And so would you give us the Boldness to ask and to see your provision in Jesus' name, amen. What I want us to remember this morning is that Jesus, in this passage, gives us the kingdom posture to have before God and others. He gives us a picture of how to give and receive in the kingdom of God. It's this posture that actually helps us to treat others the way that we want to be treated. It's a way to ensure that we don't give what's holy to dogs or cast pearls before swine. As Ian mentioned last week, that, that picture, those, those images that Jesus is using, is about giving people what they can use. It's not about worthiness. If it was about worthiness, none of us would be here. If you ever meet a hungry dog or a hungry pig, try feeding them a Bible or a cross or some other holy thing or casting pearls before them. They can't use that. It's not going to end well for you. It's It's about giving people what we can use. We're invited to assume this posture of ask, seek, and knock. The first way that Jesus gives us the, the kingdom posture to have before God and others is this idea of ask, seek, and knock. I'll come back to this and explain it a little bit more. But it appears that Jesus wants us to take this approach in prayer and in our relationship with other people. It's a posture that's helpful both on a vertical plane with God and the horizontal plane in relationship with other people. These verbs of ask, seek, and knock should be taken collectively. They're they're not steps to get what we want. Jesus isn't saying, try asking. And if that doesn't work, then try seeking. And if that doesn't work, then, then try knocking. And he's also not given us these sort of laws of hey, if you ask, seek, and knock, God can't deny it. So that's how to get what you want. Again, it's not about law. Verses 7 and 8 are are not laws on how to get prayers answered, but a posture to assume before God in prayer. Like any verse, we can't take verses 7 and 8 out of context. What these verbs have in common is that they're a posture of humility. The idea of asking a question, of seeking to discover truth or something that feels lost, of knocking on a door, all have to do with waiting. Oftentimes we're waiting on somebody else. So again, Jesus is speaking about this posture on two planes, vertically with God and horizontally with other people. I'm going to Start with the prayer component of that, because oftentimes we we assume that's solely what Jesus is talking about. However, when we look at at verse 6, which again is this idea of giving people what they can use, and then verse 12, treating others the way that we want to be treated, it doesn't make sense that it's just about prayer. It is about that, but it's not only about that. So again, the way we give people what they need and treat them the way that we want to be treated is to assume this kingdom posture before God in prayer and before others. Now, this is the second time in Jesus' sermon that he's talking about prayer. The first time is what we commonly commonly refer to as as the Lord's Prayer, which is kind of a misnomer because Jesus never had to pray that prayer. He never had to ask for forgiveness. teaches us to, to ask for forgiveness. That's a prayer that's both an outline and a prayer in itself. We we can pray those words of Matthew 6, 9, and following as a prayer and use it as a prompt of different things for us to be praying about. And in Matthew 6, Jesus is also telling us that what matters most is cultivating an inner prayer life, not one that's publicly impressive. But here, in these verses, Jesus is, is talking about taking the, a, what I'm calling a kingdom posture before God in prayer. So this morning's message is not a message about prayer, but about posture before God in prayer and before others. Because again, this, the Sermon on the Mount is not a new set of laws. So these are not laws about prayer. Again, pointing us back to last week and Ian's message on on not judging. And what we see here in these verses is that Jesus is indirectly talking about pride. It's pride that leads us to focus on the speck in somebody else's eye while ignoring or missing the plank that's in our own. When we read about pride in the Bible, it's not feeling of joy and excitement of somebody else or our own accomplishments, but it's really about thinking that we know better than God. So when we read about pride in the Bible, that's what we should, that, that's the definition for us to have is that we know better than God. Therefore, I don't have to obey God. I don't have to order my life the way that God says, because I know better. Pride does not lead us to ask, seek, and knock, but rather to tell God what needs to happen in our life or somebody else's life. God, you need to do this in my life. God, here's what you need to do in that person's life. My favorite quote regarding pride and prayer is from uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a mid-20th century pastor and, and theologian who lived in Nazi Germany. And there's a biography called Bonhoeffer, Pastor, Martyr, Prophet, Spy by Eric Metaxas. And this is uh, taken from Bonhoeffer's journal in, in an influential time in his life. And he wrote, it is much easier for me to imagine a praying murderer, a praying prostitute, than a vain person praying. Nothing is so at odds with prayer as vanity. Pride and vanity are tied to one another. And and this quote from Bonhoeffer catches the heart of what Jesus is addressing here. After talking about asking, seeking, and knocking, Jesus teaches about God's character and how to think of God as we go to him in prayer. Jesus, again, as he did in Matthew 6, is appealing to familial language when talking about God. He invites us to think about God as our Father. And so when we come to him asking, seeking, and knocking, we can have the expectant outcomes of receiving, finding, and having the door open to us, not based on our prayer, but God's character. My tenacity, faithfulness, belief, understanding of authority, and my knowledge of scripture in prayer is not what brings about the desired end. It's God's character. Jesus is making what we call a lesser to greater argument on why we can have confidence before God in prayer and assume this posture of asking, seeking, and knocking, Because Jesus addresses the parents in the crowd. Hey, parents, which of you, if your child asks you for, for bread, is going to give them a stone? Or if they ask you for fish, is going to give you a snake? Now, parents, you're imperfect. God, by the way, remember, he's perfect. He's going to give you what you need. He's going to give good gifts to those who ask. It should bring a collective sigh of relief. Whew. Thank God. So if we've entrusted our life to Jesus, then we're God's family, in God's family. And he looks at each and every single one of us as his favorite son or daughter. Yes, all of us. He's happy to give good gifts to us. When we ask for a bread or fish, we'll get it. Maybe not right away. but That's the anticipation that I think Jesus is stirring up here. Now, I'm not going to pretend to know why God answers prayer when he does, but the timing is always perfect. So we don't have to wring our hands as we pray, oh, will I get it? Oh, gosh, I hope, I hope so. I hope I've been good enough lately. I hope I haven't asked too much lately. But as we pray and continue asking, seeking, and knocking, the questions are, do we have it yet? No? Have you been told no? Then keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. As sinful parents, we get annoyed by our kids asking, stop asking, I said no, I said wait. Wait. God doesn't. In fact, it seems that he wants us to keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. I read from the New Living Translation, and and I think they're correctly conveying the Greek behind that. We also have to be realistic and, and talk about the fact that there's times we don't get what we ask. So again, this morning is really not about prayer, but acknowledging this helps with our our posture. Next month, attend the Everyone Gets to Pray conference if you want to hear more about prayer and and practicing it. I'm not going to pretend to know why we don't get the things that we ask for and explain it, but it's likely that it's not good for us. We may think that we're asking for bread and fish. That would have been a healthy meal. But what if the thing that feels good to us may be asking for junk food or a snack right before a meal? Now, as sinful parents, my my wife Carrie and I, we limit the junk food our kids have. We limit snacks before meals, and we don't have dessert every night. We're tyrants, I know. But to continue with this food analogy, God absolutely gives us special treats. We all have more than just basic sustenance. But as a perfect father, God's only going to give us what's going to benefit us and what we can handle. So maybe, maybe we're praying for more money. Maybe we're praying for a bigger platform to influence more lives. Maybe we have a dream job that we're praying for, desiring. Maybe more ministry success, a higher work position. Maybe there's a particular person we want to date or marry. But what if, what if those things would actually ruin our soul? Would we still want it? We may think it's bread and fish, It's actually going to be a stone or a snake. Would we still want that? What if something is being withheld because God loves us so deeply that he'd never harm us? This kingdom posture of asking, seeking, and knocking requires humility and trust that God is only ever always going to do and give what's best for us. So again, Jesus shows us what the kingdom posture of asking, seeking, and knocking looks like before God. Now, the next way that Jesus gives us this kingdom posture that we're to have before God and others is showing what it looks like to take this this posture in relationship before others. As I said already, verses 6-6, and 12 are dealing with kind of the horizontal plane of relationship with other people. The asking, seeking, knocking kingdom posture leads us to give to people what they can use as we ask them, seek, and knock, and to treat others the way that we want to be treated. Again, the premise of the Sermon on the Mount is to cast a vision for life in the kingdom of God here and now. Jesus is showing us that we can actually ask, seek, and knock with other people. Evidence that this posture is within us in relationships with other people is when we ask something and they say no and we're genuinely okay with it. We can be disappointed, but I think anger, if there's anger when we're told no, as we ask, seek, or knock, or think that we are, is actually demanding, requiring, or forcing our way onto another person, but in the form of a question. Have you ever been asked a question, and as you replied, the person's nonverbal response let you know you answered incorrectly? Have you ever had a boss ask you to stay late or come in on a day off, and you say no? And the look on their face lets you know, oh, the correct answer was yes. Maybe we've had a spouse or a relative do this. Again, your no showed that yes was the correct answer. Oftentimes it gets followed up with a guilt trip. Well, you know, this is a great opportunity. I have to be here. You should be here too. They do a lot for us. We, we really should go there, do, do that thing. Now, some of us here this morning need to hear, because it's both hard for us to say and to hear, no is a complete sentence. You don't have to give somebody an explanation. Let's, let's practice it right now. No. No. Isn't it funny? I said, let's practice it, and you all did it. Look, nobody got hurt. We, just, we said no. Nobody got hurt. <laughs> I've done this. I've tried forcing my way on another person, but I've done it in the form of a question. I've had it done to me. We all do it to one another. My goal is to be okay with no. No. Because again, when we get angry, it's a reminder that we still have work to do in in developing this kingdom posture of asking, seeking, and knocking before others. So again, I talked about this kingdom posture of asking, seeking, and knocking happens on two planes, vertically with God, horizontally with others. And they intersect when we pray for other people. Dallas Willard, in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, says, Instead of harassing those near us with our judgments and treasures, we stand before them with helpless requests, while simultaneously standing before the wise and mighty king with our requests for them. So we come before God asking, seeking, and knocking on behalf of, behalf of others. We have things that we want to see in the lives of other people, but this kingdom posture of asking, seeking, and knocking allows us to actually live out our faith. Oftentimes, both within the church and kind of pop culture, faith gets defined as intellectual assent. So I have faith that the Colts are going to beat the Texans this afternoon because the Colts are a better team. It makes sense. However, faith, as we read in the scriptures, is about trust. You all are demonstrating faith right now. You're trusting the chairs that you're sitting in. I didn't, I didn't see everybody coming in, but I didn't see anybody inspect their chairs thoroughly to make sure it would hold you up. Life tells you, your experience tells you, if I sit in a chair, it's going to hold me up. And, and there's a level of trust for, that we at a church aren't going to put out faulty chairs that's going to crumble beneath you. That's, it's important that we realize this because if we ever are having a conversation about spiritual things with other people and they say, I'm just not a person of faith, well, that's bogus. You can ask them, Are you human? then you're a person of faith because it's about trust. We all live our lives with a level of trust. We trust that our vehicles are gonna get us to our desired destination. We trust that the people we're in relationship with aren't going to intentionally hurt us. So we get to demonstrate our faith or our trust by holding others before God, trusting He's going to do what's best for them. I'm going to look briefly at at verse 12, where Jesus again says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that's taught in the law and the prophets. We don't have to try to do this if we have this kingdom posture of asking, seeking, and knocking. Doing to others what we want them to do to us would naturally come out of that posture. When we go to others with our helpless requests, as Willard calls them, it will take flesh as us doing to others as we would have them do to us. Jesus makes a surprising statement. He says that the law and the prophets are about this, doing to others what you would have them do to you. So a kingdom posture of asking, seeking, seeking, and knocking leads us to doing to others what we would want done to us. And that's the essence of the law and the prophets. It simplifies what God has been speaking to his people over the years. And it's another place of relief because I know how I want to be treated. We don't always do that to others. But what Jesus is saying is it's possible. Now, you may have heard other worldviews have a similar saying to what Jesus says here, but they put it in the negative. It's something like don't do to others as you wouldn't have them do to you. Now, there's a very vast difference between not doing to others what we wouldn't have them do to us and doing to others what we would have them do to us. Not murdering somebody, a really good thing is not the same, though, as actively contributing positively to somebody's life. Not slandering somebody, again, a really good thing, is not the same as speaking words of affirmation and encouragement to and about that person. Not gossiping about somebody, a good thing. Not the same as speaking the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about another person. Not stealing. Again, a good thing. Not the same thing as contributing to the needs of another person. So if we want to become the type of people who do those positive things, we're not going to do the negative. We've been communicating all along that we don't become the kingdom people that jesus is talking about in the sermon on the mount by trying really hard to do them we don't develop this kingdom posture of asking seeking and knocking by trying really hard to ask seek and knock you have we have to become the type of people who easily and regularly ask seek and knock and the way that we do this is we, we live with open hands. At the beginning, I said the kingdom posture is about giving and receiving. And we can't give and receive with closed fists and folded arms. It happens when we have a posture of open hands. I want, I want us to kind of demonstrate this sort symbolically. So if you, if you would, with me. Uh, just empty your pockets, get it all all out in your hands, ladies. if you have your purse with you, put your purse uh, in your hands. So these things actually represent our lives right here here's my <laughs> this is my wallet. I've got a rubber band I can sell you I'll sell you these. Um <clears throat> this is the, the money, this represents the money that God's given me access to. Our phones. We carry our, our calendars, our email, social media, the websites we like to visit, pictures of friends and family, our contacts, you know, the people that are important to us on some level. And our keys. This isn't. I heard this from somebody else. This is, so I can say it's really good because I didn't come up with it. The keys are about areas of authority that God has given us. Our key, keys, if you have a key to something, you have access to it. Right? So I've got the keys here to the church. I can go to any room in the church. I've been given that, that authority. I've got car key, house keys, gives me access to my house, other people's house. (laughs) They don't know I've got the key. So these are my kingdom. What's in your hands is your kingdom. It's the area, the realm that God has given you authority to have say so. Women, your purse, that's your queendom. And when we live open-handed, we get to bring our kingdom or queendom into God's kingdom. Now, oftentimes we talk about bringing our faith into our workplace or into our family, into our circle of friends, our neighborhoods. Let's shift that. Don't take your faith there. Take those things into your faith. Because what's bigger, your kingdom or God's kingdom? good luck trying to fit God's kingdom into your work. Instead, you can take your work, your family, your friends, your neighborhood, the resources that God's given you into God's kingdom. And we do that by asking, seeking, and knocking that his will will be done and seeing how we get to partner with him in, in what he wants to do in these different areas of our lives. Now, what we just did, that's not a one and, and done exercise, but something that we can do throughout the day. Maybe that's a practice you want to incorporate. But really it's about, do we have an open-handed approach to our relationship with others and in what God has entrusted to us? A helpful posture as you spend time praying is to sit with your hands open on your lap as you pray over the different people and areas in your own life, surrendering all that we are and all that we have to God. This is how we ask, seek, and knock. We regularly check in with God, asking him what he wants to do in our lives and what he's given us authority over. And it helps to undercut pride by not assuming we know what's best in those areas. And I'm going to submit it to God's love, his provision, and wisdom. Now, if we try to do this, we'll see that we need God's grace and his spirit because we can't do it on our own efforts Jesus came to set us free from sin and death and so that we can live open-handed in our relationship with other people. And it's only by God's special activity in our lives that we can assume this kingdom posture of asking, seeking, and knocking. So at this time, if the band can come up in our, our ministry teams, anybody who's on the, on the ministry team, if you can come forward. Uh, We're going to close. So this Sunday is the second Sunday of Advent. It's the week of peace. For those of you who are here, uh, hopefully you've seen our Advent display out in the the coffee lobby. Uh, For those of you who are online, uh, you can participate in this as well. Go to our our homepage. There should be a link um, to the to a form where you can write down your, your prayer requests. What's an area in your own life or in somebody else's life that you want to see peace? So you're invited to contribute your prayers for yourself or someone you know who needs peace in his or her life. And if you're here physically, fill out on those sheets of paper um, the person or the area that you want peace for it and drop it in the vase and we'll have people praying over that throughout this week. And so as we come before the Father asking, seeking, and knocking, we'll receive his peace. That's a good gift that he loves to give us. We've got ministry teams up here who would love to pray for you. Um, one of the things that, that was shared to me was some of us may need endurance this, this morning to just keep asking, to keep seeking, and to keep knocking no matter what. Maybe, maybe we don't feel it, you know, feel this prompting to spend time with God, but that's the time to do it. And so, if you're if you're just feeling tired or, or weary this morning, we invite you to come and and receive prayer for that. You get an opportunity to trust God's strength and courage that comes as you ask, seek, and knock. And we've had uh, live art here, so I want to give. Julie an opportunity to share with the hand, of the handhelds behind you. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Adam. Hey, everybody. Um, that was a great message. Oh, it you. really uh, flows with everything that I was praying with this uh, scripture. Um, so this is kind of a combination, um, but, you know, What came to me when I was praying were several things. Um, Jesus was giving that sermon from the mountain. And um, he was just speaking to me about, remember, you're in, you know, come up to that high place with me. And um, before I even go to ask for something, he said, "Um, come and ask me, just ask me. What am I? What am I saying? What am I thinking? What am I doing? Um, and that's when then we can ask from that place of knowing that He's with us and that He's ours and He's for us. And um, then He showed me this morning, um, walking in the garden with Him. You know, just just be near Him. Just keep being near Him. Keep being near Him. Keep asking. Um, keep seeking and really knocking he is the door he says i'm the door and so um first we come to him and then from him we get to go out into the pastures and um you know just knowing that he has heard us and we've heard him and i just feel a lot of peace on that so I, i pray that you would all have um receive the peace in that the painting's not done um but this is representing jesus and whoever this might be um the white would be um our robes of righteousness that he makes us clean you know he he's the one that when we come near to him that that we're in him and he's in us um he's the vine and we're the branches so um he's on the mountain here but we're at the high place but there's also the garden, you know. Just remem- remember, you know, to walk in the morning with him in the garden, in the in the coolness of the day before you start your day. Before I start my day, um, this is just kind of a scene from the mountaintop. So some trees in the background. There will be more, but yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you, Adam.
0: Thanks, Julie. <laughs> so if what Julie shared resonated with you we invite you to come and, and receive prayer. Um, if you have any other needs, physical, emotional, spiritual, our teams would, would love to pray for you. Um, we'll have music playing. The, the, team, the prayer teams will be here. So I, don't, I don't know, if, Julie, if you knew this, but uh, what Deutsche was saying, this is called a calathea, this plant, and it's uh, known as the prayer plant. So uh, yeah, that's, Doisha that's, knows. She, she's a florist. She does, does floral arrangements. So that cool thing that the, the Lord is doing. So Thanks, um, Yeah. So we invite you to come receive prayer if you need to go. Uh, we bless you. Have a great week. May you go in the love and peace of the Lord.